finally made his way into the city of Nineveh and he began to preach the message that God had given him to declare. It was a very simple message that we saw recorded in verse number four. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. As we dealt with the text last week, I tried to remind us that it seems as though Jonah did not really have a heart for the message he was preaching. It's not as though Jonah had a real burden for the people of Nineveh, but yet he was obedient to go in and to preach the message that God gave. And as a result of preaching the message that God gave, we watched as the king all the way down to the lowest of people there in the social standings of Nineveh. They began to repent and they began to mourn and they began to turn from their evil and they began to try to make things right with God. And they did this in hopes that God would change his mind and that God would not judge them and destroy them and overthrow them as had been preached. And uh, what we found out was that's exactly what happened, that God, it said in verse number 10 of chapter 3, saw their works and how they had turned from their evil way. And God repented or changed his mind of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. And so we watched as, as the people of Nineveh were spared from the destruction and, the, again, the, the idea of being judged by God. And if we notice in verse number 1, it said this of chapter 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And the reality was this, as Jonah became angry with God. That is who Jonah's anger was directed at. It was directed at God. And he said in verse number 2, I pray thee, Lord, was not this my saying? And, and now in verse number 3, he says, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Here is Jonah, and he is so angry with God, he would rather be dead than to be alive. And the entire reason for Jonah's anger toward God is this. God, you did not do what I think you should have done. God, you did not handle the situation in the manner in which I think you should have handled the situation. And because of that, Jonah was angry. And I tried to show us last week that many times we today still respond like Jonah, even though we like to phrase it in other words or in other ways. But we still get upset at God when he doesn't do what we think he ought, what he ought to do whenever he doesn't act in the way that we think he ought to act. And, and to have such an attitude and to have such a spirit toward God is foolish and it reveals our great immaturity. It really does. For you and I to question the judgment and the discernment of God reveals in us a great measure of foolishness and it reveals in us a level of spiritual immaturity. We have to be willing to accept that God knows best and that what God does is right. Now this morning we're going to continue on in just a couple of moments, but before we do, I want us to think, as I've asked you to do I'm sure in times past, I want you to think about the human body. As I was thinking about this, I thought about phrasing it this way, that our bodies are amazing, but for most of us that's not true. Most of us do not have amazing bodies, so I thought I would phrase it like this. When you think about the working of our body and how God designed our bodies, it is an amazing thing, is it not? So I don't have an amazing body, but how God put my body together and how my body works and how my body functions, that is an amazing thing. Now, as you think about that, 
Here is what we know, regardless of how amazing a person's body may be, there are going to be times in which things began to go wrong or to go awry inside or within the physical body. It happens to every one of us at different times in our lives. No matter how strong we may be, no matter what kind of health we think we enjoy, there are going to be times in our life when things internally are not what they are supposed to be and because something is messed up internally, now let's listen to this, because something is messed up internally, it is going to manifest itself externally with all different types of symptoms or problems or other issues. So a person could have something wrong with them internally and it may manifest itself with something like this aches and pains. You know what that's like. Do you not to wake up hurting and you say to yourself, what did I do to myself? I should not be hurting. I don't remember using that muscle in the last several years. I don't remember doing anything that would have created such a feeling in my body right now. So when something is aching and there's no explanation for it, we say, well, there's something going on inside me that is causing that. When we deal with our children, there are times that our children get sick and and maybe they begin to have the crud, they begin to have the runny nose, or they begin to have the ear infections, or maybe they begin to be sick at their stomach or or whatever it may be. And as all that is happening, as as all that is taking place, we, we say something like this, something's not right, not externally, but internally. Somebody may not be able to sleep, and we would say something's not right. Somebody may say, I'm sleeping all the time and I never have any energy. We would say something's not right. You understand the principle here that when something is wrong internally, it will at some point manifest itself externally, but how it manifests itself could be completely different with this person than how it manifests itself with this person. Okay? That in mind, I want us to think about Jonah. From a physical standpoint, Jonah is healthy. Jonah has health. Jonah has strength. Jonah has the physical abilities to do what he wants to do. So while he is healthy externally, Jonah, we know, is not healthy internally. Internally... Jonah is not healthy. Internally, Jonah is struggling spiritually. Now, as you look at the life of Jonah, here's what you discover. That internal sickness, that internal problem, that internal condition that he had spiritually, it manifests itself in several different ways, did it not? That spiritual sickness, that spiritual illness... One of the symptoms and one of the manifestations of that problem that he had spiritually was this. He decided to run from God whenever God said, go to Nineveh. Friends, when a person runs from God and God's will for their life, you can know this. There is something wrong with them spiritually. They may say, oh, no, everything's fine spiritually. Oh, no, me and God, we're still good. Oh, no, I'm not struggling in my walk with God. Now, hold on. You're not walking in obedience to his will. Friend, there is something wrong with you spiritually or you would not be having these problems. You would not be having these symptoms. Another symptom of Jonah's spiritual 
lack of health and well-being was this, his anger toward God. Friend, when a person gets angry at God, they have spiritual issues. Oh, I don't have any spiritual issues. I'm just struggling in my attitude right now. Okay, you're struggling in your attitude right now because you are struggling in your walk with God right now. That, that may not be the most fun to admit. That may not be the most uh, enjoyable thing to have to, to recognize and to come to grips with. But, but friends, when we're angry at God, that, that says something about our spiritual condition. And so there have already been a few symptoms manifest itself in the life of Jonah that let us know, okay, Jonah, you're not doing so good by way of spiritual health. But this morning we're going to look at another symptom that crops up and, and begins to reveal itself in the life of Jonah. And, and, and truthfully, as we watch this, here's what we're going to have to say. Jonah, you're messed up, my man. Jonah, you are messed up, not physically, not externally, but spiritually, there is something terribly wrong with you for this to be true in your life. So notice in verse number four how the story continues. Remember, God has decided to spare the city of Nineveh. And he is angry, Jonah is, with God based on that decision. So notice what verse number four says. Then said the Lord, dost thou or doest thou well to be angry? Now, I don't believe personally that this was an audible conversation taking place between God and Jonah. But what I think we have recorded for us is the internal struggle that Jonah was dealing with and, and the conversation that he was having with God in his heart and mind because we all know what it's like for God to speak to us in a very real way, though the voice is not audible. We know that, okay, that wasn't something I came up with. That was not something that someone else planted in my mind. That was God speaking to me in a very real sense, even though no one else heard it. So here is God, or the Lord, speaking to Jonah, and he says, Doest thou well to be angry? What is God asking? He's asking this, Jonah, do you really think it's a good thing for you to be angry with me right now? Is this really the position you think you need to be in, Jonah? I mean, if you'll just step back from this situation for just a moment and be honest, uh, do you think this is really good? Now, surprisingly, we're going to read Jonah's answer in a couple of moments. But it says in verse number 5, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth. What does it mean when it says that he made himself a booth? It just means this. He made himself a temporary piece of shelter, okay? Just something that would have been very, very crude and very simple in its structure and, and its purpose. It was not meant to be long-term or permanent. This is a very temporary source of, uh, of shield and, and a source of, of just someplace to go. And he says, or the scripture says, that he built the booth, made the booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. You know what Jonah's hoping for? Jonah is hoping for judgment. He is hoping to see some fire fall from heaven. He is hoping to see some brimstone falling from heaven. He is hoping to see that whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing take place. That is exactly what Jonah is hoping to see in verse number 5. But we know that it's not going to happen. We know that it's not going to take place. But notice what it says in verse number 6. It says, And the Lord God prepared a gourd. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. Now, what does it mean when it says the Lord prepared a gourd for Jonah in verse number 6? Well, best I can tell from what we see in this and from what I've read, this would have been a plant, okay? A fairly large plant. So it says the Lord God prepared a gourd 
and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. So what did God do? God prepared this plant of some sort, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but to come up and to be large enough that it would be some sort of a shade or shadow over the head of Jonah. Notice what it says, to deliver him from his grief. What is God doing? God is still trying to work on the heart and the mind and the attitude and the spirit of Jonah. At this point, from our perspective, Jonah deserves to be slapped, does he not? From, from our perspective, at this point, Jonah just needs to be told, just shut up and just accept my will or deal with it. But here is God still trying to, to help Jonah and to restore him and to deliver him. And so God prepared this gourd to come up and to be a shadow over his head. <coughs> Excuse me. Now notice what it says in verse number 6. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Exceeding glad. What does it mean to be exceeding glad? It means to be thrilled. This is exciting. Well, hold on, what's exciting, Jonah? A gourd. Okay, Jonah, maybe I missed something. You are exceeding glad of what? This plant. Okay. Why are you exceeding glad of this plant? Now follow this. Because it gives me shade. It, it provides a shadow for, for me to sit under. I am exceeding glad because of the gourd that helps me. Okay. Verse number 7. But God prepared a worm. Do you see the power of God in this? God prepared a gourd. Now he's prepared a worm. That was some kind of a worm. Because it says, When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd, that it withered. Remember, this plant was large enough to give some kind of shade or shadow to Jonah. And now there is a worm that is capable of eating it in one day, so much so that the gourd withers. And so in verse number 8, God is still dealing with Jonah's attitude. It says, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement or strong east wind, and the sun beat down upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Jonah was not short on drama, was he? My gourd is gone. It'd be better for me to die. Wow. Amazing. So notice in verse number 9. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? You're mad? That the gourd is gone? The gourd is withered? The gourd is no more? The, the gourd that gave you the shadow, that gave you the shade? You're, you're mad about this? Now, now Jonah, I, I want to ask you, do you do well to have this spirit of anger related to the gourd? 
Then notice what it says in verse number 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. See, in verse number 9, whenever Jonah said, or whenever God asked, Do you do well to be angry for the gourd? In verse number 9, Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. God, my attitude is more than justified. I would rather be dead than to lose the gourd. And God says, You've had pity on a gourd for the which thou hast not labored. You didn't make it grow. It came up in a night and it perished in a night. And you're angry and you're upset about that. Now think about Jonah for just a moment. You know where Jonah is at spiritually? He is at a place in his spiritual life where he had more concern and more passion for a gourd than he had for people. Jonah, you've had more pity on a gourd than you had on a city of Nineveh. You have had more pity, you have had more passion for, you have had more concern for a gourd than you had on an entire nation. I think we could say it like this, and I think it would be fair by way of principle. Jonah was more concerned about that which was temporal in his life than he was about that which was eternal in his life. If I wouldn't feel so awkward and, and ridiculous this morning, I would try to show us what it means to be exceeding glad about a gourd. He has more of a passion and a concern and a gladness over a gourd. Jonah, you just saw an entire city repent because of your half-hearted, just, just lazy approach to preaching the Word of God. Jonah, you just saw every bit of that happen, and you're not happy about that. No, no, you're mad about that, and you think you do well to be angry about that. But, oh, but, you're, you're happy when that gourd comes. Why? Because that gourd is, well, it, it did something for you. You're more excited and more worked up about the temporal then you are the eternal. Now, friends, that is a manifestation. That is a symptom of a spiritual life that is not healthy. Jonah, okay, we knew you weren't healthy spiritually because we saw you run from God. And Jonah, we knew you were not healthy spiritually because we saw your attitude toward God when he didn't do what you thought he ought to do. But Jonah, here's another symptom of your problem internally and spiritually, and that is this. You make way too big a deal 
over that which is temporal, and you have no concern over that which is eternal. Wow. Wow. Why is that a wow, Brother Kyle? Why, why are you saying wow? Because kind of like what I said of Jonah last week, while it is amazing, it is not unusual. While it is amazing, it is not unusual. What do you mean? Okay, this morning, think about something I've said many, many times over the years. And you haven't had to hear it from me in order to know the answer if you've grown up in church or been in church very long at all. But think about this question, what on this earth is eternal? There is only one thing on this earth that is eternal, and that is the souls of men and women, boys and girls. The only thing that will make it from this life into the next life, the only thing in this world that you and I are able to see, able to touch, able to behold with our own physical being, the only thing that in this world is eternal is the souls of men and women boys and girls. Now, friends, if that is the only thing in this world that is eternal, then someone please tell me, not in an audible voice, but someone answered this question, then what must be temporal? Everything else. The only thing in this world that is eternal is my soul, is your soul, is your family member's soul, is your co-worker's soul, is your neighbor's soul. The only thing in this world that is eternal is the soul of a man, of a woman, of a child. That means everything else in this world is temporal. What do you mean by everything? I mean everything. My home is temporal. My home is 60 years old. My home, from my perspective, is an old home. Some of you would say, that's a pretty new home. I'm just saying, from my perspective, a 60-year-old home, that is an old home. But it doesn't matter if it survives another 100 years. You know what's going to happen to it eventually? At some point, my home is going to fade and my home is going to be gone. And I can promise you this, in another hundred years, I won't care if it's standing or not. That will not be my concern. My cars parked in the parking lot today, those are temporal. They are not eternal. Kyle, do you like your car? Yes, I like my car. You know when I liked it a whole lot more, though? Whenever I first got it. I've had it a couple of years now, and you know what? I'm not near as impressed with it. You know what that reminds me of, if I'm honest? It reminds me of this. This is temporal. I've got clothes in my closet, and they were great to buy whenever I first bought them, and I was excited to get the new suit or excited to get the new shirt or whatever it may be. But you know what I've discovered of every article of clothing I've ever bought? Its existence was temporal. 
Over the years, I've made money. You've made money. And you know what most of us don't have? Most of us don't have a portion of the money we've made. You know why? Because our money is temporal. And I can promise you this, just as we won't care about our house in a hundred years, or our cars in a hundred years, or our clothes in a hundred years, we're not going to care about our money in a hundred years. This building that we sit in today, it is temporal. Our jobs, which provide us the employment, which provide us the income, there's nothing wrong with it. But friends, that is temporal. There is nothing in this world that is eternal outside of an individual's soul. Okay, we got it. I know we've got it. But you know what our problem is? thought I'd go ahead and act silly for just a second. Wake some of you up. I got a new gourd! I got a different gourd! Check out my gourd! Oh, me and my wife, we've been saving for this gourd for a long time. What are we exceeding happy about? We're exceeding happy about the gourds that provide something for us. We get on Facebook to tell people about our gourds. We have to take pictures and say, look, everybody, I got a new gourd. I'll be paying for it for the next five, six, seven years, but isn't it a beautiful gourd? We like to sit in our recliners and just admire our gourds. Listen, you know what it's referred to as in the New Testament. I'm not going to preach that message, but it's referred to as dung in the New Testament. I'd rather get excited about gourds than dung, personally, but I'm just saying. It, it makes about as much sense to get exceeding glad or happy about gourds. Now that I've got more gourds, my wife and I are going to be able to take more trips, and, you know, that will make us exceeding happy. Do you see the problem with us? We've got so many of the same symptoms that Jonah had, and yet we don't want to admit it more times than not because it makes us look bad. But if truth were told about most of us, and I won't say all of us because there may be an exception in the room, but I'm just saying most of us, you know what a problem is in our spiritual life? It is this. We can sure get excited about gourds. But when that which is eternal is dealt with, when that which is eternal should have significance in our life. You know what we are many times toward the eternal? Dismissive and nonchalant. Sometimes just completely unimpressed over that which is eternal. 
See, if you don't believe it, just think about this. How many people that we know, and we're just going to focus on other people right now because it's more fun to deal with other people than ourselves, but how many people do we know they are willing to sacrifice their family to make more money so that they can buy more stuff and everything about them, you can just tell it's about stuff, 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 but, but the eternal, nah. There's a spiritual problem there. There is a spiritual problem there. How many of us could do without more gourds and be a little bit more eternally minded with, say, our giving? But if we gave more, I couldn't buy as many gourds. If, if I gave more, I, I could not buy as much stuff. And, and, and you know how we like stuff. Trust me, I'm aware of the struggle because I like stuff. How many of us, we can get excited about the score yesterday or maybe the score today or maybe the score next week. We can get excited about that, but you almost have to electrocute us at church to show any kind of excitement. We can just sit there, well, I guess we're about to wrap this up. I mean, we normally get out around noon. I guess we're about to shut her down. How upset do we get if we've lost money? But we don't get that worked up or upset when we see someone lost to the world and Satan's vices. Had to take a pay cut. I'm not very happy about that. Well, why are you not very happy about that? Well, because I'm not going to be able to do as much, and we're not going to be able to go as much, and we're not going to be able to, to buy as much, and I'm just so upset about that. Yeah, have you gone by to maybe check on that person who hadn't been at church for the last month? Well, no. Hadn't, hadn't even noticed they were gone. You know what we are? We're far more concerned with the temporal than we are the eternal. We have far more of a passion for that which will not last through eternity than what we have for the things of eternity. And if you want to sit here and say, well, you know, I don't really struggle with that. I, I, I basically have that one mastered. Okay, look around you, please, for just a moment and see how much junk we have around us. You know what most of us have? Most of us have far more junk than we could possibly need. And you know what we constantly find ourselves doing? Adding more junk to it. And you know why we're constantly adding more junk to it? Because we like more junk. We like more stuff. And this makes me happy. And this makes me happy. And this makes me happy. Okay, what about the things of God? Just a few questions to answer that, that, that may make us feel uncomfortable. But trust me, friend, I was no less uncomfortable when I had to ask these questions myself, okay? Just a few questions to consider. When was the last time we wept over the lost? I said that exactly the way I meant to say it. When was the last time we wept? I'm just not an emotional being. 
You wept when your dog died. You wept in that movie. I mean, it tugged at you emotionally somehow. I mean, you wept when you saw your baby girl walking down the aisle. You wept when when you saw that happen. Don't tell me we're void of emotions. We've got them. But what do we have them for? When was the last time we wept over the lost? So truth be told, I don't weep over the lost like I should. And I'm not saying I need to conjure this up and I've got to manufacture this somehow. But I'm telling you, if I care about the eternal as much as I do the temporal, I will care about the eternal. And at some point, it will move me emotionally to say, God, I am begging you, do something. When was the last time we said, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith? God, would you open up a door where I could just share with someone what you've done for me? God, I want to be salt, and God, I want to be light, and God, I want to be that that city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. God, that is what I want to be. And God, I am asking you today, sometime this week, God, would you give me an opportunity to just share with someone else what you've done in my life? You know, many times it's not a prayer of ours. Because we have more of a passion for the temporal than we do the eternal. I'll ask again, when was the last time we grieved over the one who returns to the world? They used to be in church. They used to be faithful to the house of God. They used to be growing. They used to be maturing. But it's not happening now. I mean it's not even remotely taking place. Did it grieve us or did we just say, hey, you know, you're not going to keep them all? What kind of an attitude is that? What kind of a spirit is that? When did that grieve us? Parent and grandparent, ask yourself this. Honestly, sincerely, as genuinely as you can state it. What is your prayer for your children and your grandchildren? What what is your prayer for them? Not your Sunday morning desire and, oh yeah, I know this is what I'm supposed to say. What are you praying for your children? What are you praying for your grandchildren? Man, I don't, I don't guess I even really think of that that often. You know why? Because we have more of a passion for the temporal than we do the eternal. When was the last time we prayed and said, God, I don't care what my kids or grandkids do so long as they serve you, so long as they're obedient to you, God, so long as they're faithful to you, I don't care what they do in life. You know what more parents are worried about? More parents are worried about what kind of job their kids are going to get, what kind of degree they're going to get, what they'll be able to accomplish in life. You know what most parents and grandparents are worried about? They're worried about their kids' gourds rather than their eternal spiritual condition. And then we sit back and wonder why our kids didn't turn out better and why our grandkids didn't turn out better. better. You see the struggle that we have, whether we like to admit this or not? We get exceeding glad of gourds. And when something eternal should be having our attention, should be getting our emotion, should be getting our excitement and our energy and our passion, we look at that 
passively, dismissively, casually, as though, what's the big deal? The big deal is this, people are eternal and nothing else. And when you and I get all excited about the temporal and the eternal really doesn't mean much to us, you know what it says of us internally, spiritually? We are sick. We are not healthy. We are not well. Now, can I tell you what happens many times after a sermon like this? Many times people will leave and say, Oh, you know, I just don't struggle with that. Liar! You know, that's just not my struggle. Okay, so let me come to your house and let's see how much stuff you don't have. Let's see how much money you don't worry about. Let, let, let's just see what your prayer life is like. Let, let's see when the last time was you witnessed. Let's see the last time was that you wept. Let's see what kind of a prayer you've had for your children and grandchildren. Again, not your Sunday morning answers. Let's see what it's really like. Now, let's, let, let's all sit here and say, ah, we don't struggle with that. You know what we're doing? We're lying to ourselves because we live in the land of plenty. And you and I don't even know what it means to have needs anymore, more times than not. Friends, we've got to have a right perspective on what matters. Only that which is eternal matters. What has your passion? What has your attention? What has your desire? Is it the eternal or is it the temporal? If it's the temporal, which most of us struggle with, if it's the temporal, it says spiritually we're not as healthy as we ought to be. All right? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to just take some time and be willing to look at our own lives and